Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate out there. Uh, for those who do celebrate, of course, you know that for good or for bad, Thanksgiving is a time for family. And Netflix decided to bring all the family drama in the world uh, to us in one star-studded movie this week. That movie is Hillbilly Elegy, which stars Oscar-nominated actresses Glenn Close and Amy Adams, as well as Netflix all-star Haley Bennett and Gabriel Basso playing the grown-up version of J.D. Vance. The film is based on Vance's best-selling and what some would call controversial memoir of the same name, a memoir that explores the modern version of the American dream through three generations of Appalachian family, as told through the eyes of its youngest member, Yale Law student J.D. Vance, who is forced to return to his hometown suburb in Ohio. To help me break this one down, I brought one of my Forgotten Entertainment family members, Mr. Mike Field. Mike is the co-host of Forgotten Cinema and yet another MCU podcast, and has been a frequent guest of this show uh, since the first episode almost two years ago, and he always does an excellent job. So stay tuned for our review in just a bit, but first a word from our friends at Forgotten Entertainment. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, welcome back. Can't wait for you all to hear our conversation about Hillbilly Elegy, but I want to encourage anyone listening to check out the fine work of our guest, Mike Field. I already mentioned his two podcasts, Forgotten Cinema and Yet Another MCU Podcast, which can be found on ForgottenEntertainment.com or your favorite podcast platform. But I'm sure you also know that Mike is a screenwriter, a director, and also an author. You can learn more about all of his past and current projects at michaeldfield.com. And of course, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, The Nomcast, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. All right, let's get to it. Here it is, our review of Hillbilly Elegy with our friend Mike Field. Give a listen. 
you got to take care of business, you got to go to school, you got to get good grades to even have a chance. Mom was the best in her class. What's the point? I'm talking about a chance. You might not make it, but you sure as hell won't if you don't try. Why do you even care what I do? I ain't gonna live forever. Who's gonna take care of this family when I'm gone? No, I thought your mama was gonna be all right. Be happy, do good. But she got tore up around here. She just up and quit. She just stopped trying. I know. I could have done better. But you, you got to decide. You want to be somebody or not? All right, very excited for a man who always brings the big mamma energy, uh, Mr. Mike Fields. Glad to have you back, buddy. I'm going to light you on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Mike Glenn Close, I guess. <laughs> yes, I guess. Well, I could ask you for clean piss. I could have done so many awesome things that uh, harken back to this uh, movie that is, um, wow, is a lot of things. Yes. Uh just to set the table for some people, and I guess yourself, I know you watched it today. I did. Uh, and it and it just came out today. We will have this out uh, hopefully by tomorrow um, for, for people. And wow, uh, <laughs> this movie is, um, it's been, the reviews have been trickling in from film critics for a few weeks now. I don't know if you've noticed at all. I read, I read the Atlantic review um, just to kind of get a sense of what everything, like, some people's beef with it so yeah yeah i mean it, it's not pretty out there right now uh last i looked uh it currently has a 40 meta score a 5.8 imdb a 25 percent tomato meter and an 89 percent audience score Yikes. which i think is where this movie is heading um i think this is definitely a movie that i could see the critics absolutely beating up but then also getting some love from people who maybe you know are apologists for the movie or, or excuse me for the memoir or for uh people who just truly like this story in some regard there are some things that i think are relatable uh in this story uh but i think overall uh i was not very impressed uh and i don't know how much you know about the novel uh the, excuse me novel memoir uh that jd vance wrote uh that you know i didn't hear about it really before uh i knew this movie was coming out and apparently it is not only a bestseller but very uh kind of politically and socially uh charged in a way and very controversial in a way uh and i think i'll <laughs> i think the conversations maybe before this movie happened or at least between uh the the screenwriter and ron howard are we're not touching that. <laughs> I think they tried to uh, make a movie that it was a bestseller because of its, you know, controversial stuff, the kind of the stuff outside of the outside of the family story. And then they decided to make a movie that took all that away, stripped all that away, and then tried to make this 
a story about family. Where do you see how this film eventually landed after it kind of took away all the stuff that maybe, you know, incited people or, or tried to inform at its best uh, about like what happened with Trump's America. Well, that's, kind a, of that's a leap here. there. Right? I mean, that's a jump. I understand what you're saying because this is, uh, basically the, uh, I, in, from the article that I read, which was the Atlantic, uh, review, how it talked about, you know, the, the group of people that JD Vance or the, 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 his, his folk, as he says in the, in the movie, uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're the people that voted for Trump, the, the, the people that were the forgotten people kind of, kind of, kind of thing. But I didn't really see that within the movie, uh, in terms of what we watched may, I mean, I think that's a lot of inference and it's obviously, uh, it's obviously looking back cause we're four years removed from, you know, the, the, well, not even four years, we're 10 years removed for the events, uh, of, of his, when he goes back, once he goes back in 2011. Right. So we're nine years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously him growing up in, in the nineties. So, I mean, I didn't, while I read that part of, of, of the review that I read, I, I, I understood that kind of connection. I didn't really sense that coming through in, in terms of the story that was told, uh, it, oh, I didn't yeah. either. Oh, okay, I was, okay. uh, I was, yeah. no, I was more mentioning what the book had kind of put out there, right, what the memoir right. tried to say. Because even the full, uh, the full title of the memoir is "Hillbilly Elegy: A Memoir of a Family and Culture in Crisis." And basically, I think they just kind of stopped right in the middle of that sentence and didn't want anything to do uh, with the latter. So. That's where I was trying to land on this because apparently it tries to, co you know, kind of explain his people, explain his culture in the book. And then in this, you really only get a sense of what maybe the book is like in ironically in the bookends of this film, because uh, it kind of starts out where he ha has to kind of either explain his culture or you get more of a sense when he's in Kentucky in the beginning, kind of like that tough you know, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, kind of like, you know, rise up above the fray, you know, tough love stuff that they put in the beginning. And then there's this kind of, uh, voiceover narration yeah. at the end of this I don't, movie. I don't, I never like voiceover. No. And, and this movie is full of it. So, I uh, I think it's weird that this movie is coming from, like I said, a book, that is politically and polarized, uh, politically polarizing, and then has not a ton of that. Tries to make it about the family, but because this movie is also it's written by J.D. Vance, the story is about him. It's a you know a memoir, and then but you're also seeing that he's kind of the product of this story and not the actual story here. Like so, it's a weird tense as the screenwriter. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know what you felt about this because I'm looking at this story and I'm thinking he's like the least effective character <laughs> almost uh, in the whole story. So he, you're kind of just seeing things through his eyes. But when they try to make him almost like a hero or some kind of like savior or even a martyr in this story. It feels very odd because I think that the, you, the real domino that falls that changes his life uh, in, in the biggest way is his mother and his mother goes off the deep end after the father dies, but you don't see any of 
that kind of relationship really to show the the father and the daughter relationship and how they were so similar and all these things that they literally just tell you in exposition in this movie. So wh- where do you think that falls for you? I th- I think that the the it's a li- the the way that the story is presented is a little all over the place. Uh, um you have which is not this that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does cause it could lead to confusion if not done pro- properly or correctly. Or I, I, and I don't want to say it that way, but regardless, because there's certain points when, you know, who's the, who's the focus? Is it his mother? Is it Mima? who, you know, there's a, they, they make a big point about how Mima has a, who's played by Glenn Close, who has a revelation when she's in the hospital sick with pneumonia that she needs to step in and take care of, you know, her grandson, or he is going to go down a path that she does not want him to go down. And that's a pretty big moment, but that's 45 minutes from the end. And it's (laughs) like, that's, and, and then uh, for like a, maybe a good 10, 15 minutes with Mima, I'm thinking, is this now her story? Is this now her uh, restoration of her character? Because the only, and then they, cause they have the mother uh, with Beverly and you, you, the sister tells her brother that, you know, Janie Vance tell, tells him, him that, you know, you don't know what mom's, what, ha- what happened to mom. You don't understand what she grew up with in her house. And they cut to that flashback now. Now we're flashbacking to another flashback uh, yeah. where you see a young Mima, which you don't really see her fighting with no. their father. You get the sense that they just didn't get along. And obviously he was very abusive. He was a drunk and she lit him on fire. And, but it's like that it's one, one scene you see, and I'm, I'm supposed to now, I'm supposed to now feel for Beverly out of just one scene that it was just thrown in there like an hour into the movie. And I'm, I understand that sentiment and that I, and I would want more of that because if I'm supposed to, it's very hard for me to root for Beverly, um, especially in the beginning with, with the way she's presented because I don't know any of her backstory and they throw it in at the end. And then they do a lot of this where uh, wrapping up at the end of the movie, when he's driving back to his interview, which for some reason is a big moment, uh, you know, he's driving back. (laughs) They have flashbacks to scenes that I have never seen in the movie when he goes to the army, when he signs up, when he leaves and he's going, gets on the bus and nothing like I, 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 it's difficult when you're showing me stuff that I don't have any kind of compass to. Uh, So like I understand what they're trying to do. I just think that the way the story is put together is is just a little all over the place where it's tough for me to find a focus and it's tough for me to find somebody to quote unquote root for within this movie because I think that the sister's storyline is equally compelling. She stayed around. She raised not she was with her high school boyfriend and they have made it work and they have been married and they have three kids and she has become a quote soccer mom. And, and she has stood by her mother's side and it's almost like she has also forgotten as well because he was off at college and then he comes back and it's, I know it's his memoir, it's his story, but his sister's story is just as compelling and just as heartbreaking. And, and you kind of, you like, you want to root for somebody, but they're just kind of like throwing it out you at, at you. And you're just kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know who to root for. I don't know what, the, what, what we're doing here. Mike, you are literally reading from my notes. This is insane. (laughs) Like, I looked at this movie, and that's why I was saying, like, J.D. Vance, even though we're seeing it through the eyes of him, he's not 
nearly as compelling to me as the like I wrote down. Like basically, this story is not about his him being an inspiration and rising up above his childhood and and what happened to him. This is about the women who propped him up and continue to prop him up. And and I don't think that's how they wanted to position this movie, but that's how I'm going to look at this movie because between how much his life changed when Mama stepped in and did that, like you said, a little late in the game in terms of story. Oh, is it, it Mama? Did I say it wrong? Am I saying Mima? Is it Mama? Because I don't know. <laughs> it's it's Mama. Uh, yeah, I it's M A. I yeah. apologize that I said that wrong. Mama, I apologize. <laughs> My <laughs> other thing that I was going to say, uh, instead of the big Mama energy up top, I was like <laughs> busy writing Hillbilly LG to Big Mama's house. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Because <laughs> with that wig and everything else, just looking so crazy. But I'll tell you I was what, like, though, yeah. when you're watching those videos at the end during the credits and they're showing the real life people, she looked Spot just on. like her. It's like, oof, yeah. okay. All right, good I job. Know. Yeah, honestly, she looks like every grandma from like that time period. Because like uh, a the woman who lived next door to me, uh, who I called Graham, she wasn't my grandmother, but she basically was a very grandmotherly figure. Had that same tight curler perm and the glasses that like kind of like stylized. It was such a dead on like grandma. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> doing terminator references all of it it was just all it just stuck right there with me but uh, but you like i said though uh, you know mamma steps up and, and takes him in tries to you know pull him out of you know his loser friends and a, and a and a another yet another new home and uh, give him a sense of stability and try to get give him something maybe that she lost uh somewhere along the way with her own children and I mean, and then you had the sister that you brought up as well, who, I mean, like you said, is the rock. Like, it's, and that's why it feels so weird for her to just call him out of the blue to be like, can you come 12 hours away to come fix this? Cause I have a birthday party. Like, that, it feels very weird to, yeah. to, to get that. Like, I don't know what you would call that, but it's just, it's, it's an odd turn of events. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be, you know, cause she said she had a bad month. I'm like, so did other things happen that were yeah. less inconvenient? Like, I don't understand, uh, how much he hasn't been called back to this point. Uh, if you're, you know, she's been in and out of rehabs or, you know, being in recovery or just being a straight up junkie for, for that long, I'm sure this had to be more of a common occurrence. And if he's all the way in Connecticut, shout out to Yale, New Haven. Hey, <laughs> Hey, backyard. Um, but I mean, it's so weird to have him called back like that. And then his own girlfriend present day is helping prop him up too so it just continues on that he has the support of all these women so if anyone if any of these people in this movie should be applauded it's those women who backed him up um and and again we we're you were talking about that kind of summation on the drive home um talking about people who didn't prop him up um cool job yeah. talking about how great your grandfather is your papa or whatever um and it's like uh you know the guy who was so drunk he got set on fire that guy he's the awesome guy like so wh which version are we supposed to be into here as an audience i truly don't care i barely got to see the guy so i mean like we know nothing so to to bring him up any, in any kind of regard is weird um 
But you're right. I absolutely saw it that same way. I find it fitting that given the fact that we were just talking about all the women in his life, that the marquee names here of the cast are all the female characters. And that basically like J.D. Vance, even young or old, is played by actors who maybe don't have as much gravitas from their careers because I think even deep down, maybe Ron Howard knew that the media role that the, the, the other thing is there's a lot story of story here is these women. There's a lot of tropes in this movie that kind of I've seen before in other in movies. And, and it's it's tough because you don't want to discount yeah. the true story. The true story is heartbreaking. And, and 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 so I want to put that aside. But in terms of movies that I've seen before, I have seen countless tales of this type of person from a, a poor home goes makes good has to go back and has to you know realizes that he wasn't happy and realizes that you know they're you know his his mother put did so much for him like stuff like that like that kind of trope where it's just like you've got to give me something more yeah. because while it's tough to say I've seen this before been there done that and in terms of this type of storytelling you got to give me something that I I really need it, it, it there's so much more emphasis on giving me somebody to root for giving me something to really hold on to, to, to like, so one trope that really bugged me and it doesn't even fit is in the beginning when he's at the dinner table and, and he, he's freaking out because he doesn't know how to use the silverware, which mm -hmm. that's in and of itself. Like, come on, that's not that you worked at a dining hall. I would think you'd pick that up, but regardless of that, when he, when he's talking about his home is up his his where he came from yeah, and like on. everybody gets quiet cuz he's like oh I'm from Kentucky and I'm I'm you know down there we're from Appalachia and all that stuff and and he, everyone gives like the glances all these like upper crust white people give these glances like oh no like like I can't believe it. this guy's weird we can't talk to him it's 2011 it's not 1960 it's like I'm sorry but really really you're that uh, yeah. you're that you know put off yeah. That you know, give me, give me a break. It's so st I hated that because I'm like, it's only nine years removed. We're not right. that prim primitive nine years ago. Yeah, no, so that, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, and the fact that that's in there because there, that's like, okay, that's gonna make us know that he's a fish out of water. Yeah. He doesn't belong here. That's gonna put that message forward. Not even thinking about would this really be how it is. And I think I read in the review that that's not that in his upbringing was not some, was a talking point more was of, of interest to people more than it was of something that what people didn't know how to relate to or didn't know how to talk to him about, you know, in right. real life. So it, there again, we've changed it for the, but which, which you do, we change stuff for the movies all the time, but it's just something that it's almost like, Oh, I've done this before. We'll just add it like this and we're done and good. Let's move on next scene. And so yeah. it's that, that stuff that bugged me a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of that within Within the whole framework, like you mentioned the Terminator line, you know, there's two, there's three types of people. How many times do I got to hear about there's two types of people in the world in all these movies? Well, this one's like, even they, more confusing because they add a third one that's neutral, yeah. makes it completely the, irrelevant. <laughs> there's no such thing as a neutral Terminator. I don't understand no. if she's paying attention to the movies. I know there's like 25 of them, but I don't, I'm pretty sure there's not a neutral Terminator. Yeah, isn't Genesis all about that one where it's uh, just that neutral Terminator that shows up, eats all your food, just kind of hangs out? And, <laughs> yeah. The fate of the world's at hand. What are you going to do? Nah. <laughs> PS5 came out. <laughs> John Connor can wait. Uh. Who who built this Terminator line? <laughs> it's just T1000 Dave version. <laughs> 
Yeah, I want to harken back to there's a. I knew I wasn't really into this movie when later on, basically almost right at the end of the film, there's a there's a montage sequence or basically like a flashback sequence um, when they're in the hotel and his mother is basically asking him to stay. And he's kind of at that fork in the road, like, what do I do? Do I leave for the interview or do I stay with her? And he kind of has this flashback sequence of just running through all the things we just learned in the movie. So basically just summarizing, you know, uh, summarizing all the things that Ron Howard clearly wants us to remember about this film. And I went through it and I'm watching it and I go, nope. Didn't do anything for me. Just like well, because it just, that decision, yeah, that that decision for him to stay with her is never for you on screen. They just keep showing the hand. They show you the montage, but they never actually show him giving up and sacrificing something to stay with her. Well, yeah, and narratively, it doesn't make any sense either because a lot of times you're seeing these conversations with Mama and him, where she, you know, there there are a few very good scenes with Glenn Close and the younger version of JD. Uh, I think in this movie, especially the one that, you know, I, I feel like it's very much the Oscar clip scene is uh, when they're in the car and he had just thrown the calculator out the window. And the, calculator, the calculator he stole with the Eagle Eye Cherry playing in the background. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, what year is this? Oh, right. Eagle Eye Cherry year. 1996. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so he... You know, he steals the calculator and they, you know, she buys it for him, does a nice thing. He he gets an attitude and throws the calculator out the window and then comes back in the car. And then he kind of like she kind of tells him, you know, you know, you don't have to be a loser. You have to make choices. You have to, you know, get good grades. You have to do it like basically gives him this big, you know, speech of like and and, and the end of the speech, she says, I'm not going to be around forever. Who's going to take care of this family if I'm not around? And then you think about that scene where he basically just goes, I'm going to go for the interview. I hope you choose to live, mom. See you later. And then, like, so it's like, and then who's there? His sister to clean up the mess after he leaves again. So uh, I, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> know what we're supposed to take from that um and 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 that sequence again that flashback sequence really goes over the whole thing and, and i was like okay what did i learn from this movie and what uh, specifically like once i watched that sequence what did what are we supposed to take away and all i could take away is uh Mama did the right thing for him his mother is a junkie with a hard life and he paid the price for it for a long time and I went, okay, who cares? There's nothing <laughs> unique. It's a, it's a, like, I'm not saying that it's not something that a lot of people have gone through. I'm not saying it's not relatable in some way. I just don't think it's that unique. Uh, just because we put it in the Midwest or put it mm-hmm. in Appalachia, like, I, I don't think there's, or, or the fact that this book sold well, I think is really the main reason why this happened. And the fact that Ron Howard has family in Oklahoma and, and thought, you know, Hey, this harkens back to kind of my feelings on, on my family. But I didn't feel like, you know, especially cause he turns out all right. He, yeah. th- there's a support system in place when he's not there. So he's not crucial. He's not saving anyone here. Um, you know, why am I watching this? What's the lesson here? Um, so I, I couldn't come up with anything. And like I said, I just keep going back to how great, uh, you know, the women 
that he's survived by, you know, this whole time uh, that have kept him going this whole time are the real heroes. Well, they give you the sense, too, that he doesn't share with his uh, girlfriend, Urshu, right? As I said that right? Ursha? Usha. Usha, excuse me. Yeah. So he, they give you the sense that he doesn't share with her about his, his life. But I never, like, they, they make that reference in terms of, I'm assuming the ride home when he is talking to her and he's sharing about everything that's supposed to be him opening up to her. But I never got that sense throughout the movie. They never led on to that. He was, you know, going home. He was just, you know, he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you. I got the sense that he didn't want to bring her home because he was embarrassed of his family. I got that sense, yes. but I did not get the sense that he doesn't open up about his upbringing. No, or anything I, like that. And they, and they, but they made it seem like that. I'll do you one better. So they have one conversation uh, when he's on the road, I think when he's in that gas station and he goes, <laughs> yeah, where he's bitching about the Wi-Fi. Yeah, like he's like, yeah. hey, man, is there anything to do about this Wi-Fi? Dude, you're here for 10 seconds to <laughs> fill up gas. Exactly. What, you're busting the guy's hump about the Wi-Fi? I've literally never used the Wi-Fi at a gas station. <laughs> and can we talk about the fact that his credit card declines and he's only getting $10 of gas? Yeah. <laughs> and then he just hands him another. How many cards do you have? He has like 40 cards and they all have yeah. $10,000 limits. Ba like that's there you don't need that scene with the card because you do that scene when he's trying to pay for her room which yes. for some reason turned into a room for a night turned to two weeks which uh you know we could be he was like i just need one room for the night and then it was right. like oh, it's got to be for two weeks well what's happening here now i know so go but go on with your point yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i believe in that phone conversation he's having with her, uh his girlfriend that he mentions like yeah you know my mom's in the hospital she's using again and when, so the implication here, again, is that this has been a previous occurrence and that he said it, not matter-of-factly, but basically, like, in stride. He wasn't right. like, I need to tell you something. My mom's been a drug addict. Like, he wasn't, you know, giving a revelation, it seemed. It seemed like he was just giving her what the information is. Like and she already so, knew. But then later... <laughs> He has this thing where he flips off the handle at her, basically saying, like, don't come out here. My mom OD'd. Is that something you want to do? Like, so it shouldn't be that big of a moment, this big conversation, because you already told her that she went to the hospital because she's been using again. Why are you getting all angry, bro? Like, calm down. <laughs> like, you clearly have a good thing with her. You do tell her. You've told her stuff in our purview here in in the audience's view i i didn't buy a lot of the 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 high emotion with him the like kind of the excess baggage it's like okay i i get like the anger issues or the things within the family oh you also want to see a, a weird moment where it's like hey we want to drive home that he also has um, uh the same issues that his mom does uh that one scene with her terrible boyfriend throwing her stuff uh, out of the house uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and like he's uh, about to bust down a door and then like a family's like ah, what are you doing i'm like you live next door to like the worst looking junkie i've ever seen in my life yeah. and there's this pristine <laughs> family going what don't be angry you're scaring my children there are children here <laughs> i'm like this guy's always lived here he's a complete jerk he and then your his mom lived there too you yeah. know she's a junkie like what what are you preserving here, lady? This should have yeah. been a common occurrence around you. And yeah, when they introduce Beverly's anger in the beginning, it's so out of nowhere and it's so like like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, what's happening? What's yeah. where and and I 
it's almost like you, you gotta, you, you gotta lead me into that. You gotta show me the stuff that happened to her childhood. Like, why is she, cause she is just boom, yelling, yelling. What are you doing? A stupid dog. I took bear out piss in my house. And like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, right. what happened? What happened? What, what? It's like, I've, did something just change in the movie? <laughs> also, like, the the drug use and the downfall, like, so you're just telling me that the father dying just leads her to just start stealing pills all of a sudden. Like, so right. there was no behavior to this point that she had any kind of, you know, uh, addictive behavior or any of these things. Yeah, she obviously had rage issues completely, but mm-hmm. the, the 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 off the deep end just start pill popping and then leading to heroin or any of these other things. I like I said, the father thing is so big in this story. It's such a domino that has to fall and has to be well set up, and it's just not. Well, a lot of this movie is a lot of just scene, 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 yes. scene, scene, and we're back, and we even go back to a flashback when he, he, she hits him. Yeah, a part of this, this, this one day where all this happened, she hits him. He runs, and she goes to that woman's house, and then, then she's arrested. And that's a very know, weird scene. It is. I know it's and, supposed to be so emotionally charged, but it's so weird. Because and then they and then you know he doesn't know she's fine. I'm I, everything's fine. And then they go back to that flashback and because the, there's a conversation between Mamma and and Beverly that we were not privy to. But when the conversation as they had the conversation, I'm just like, I don't need to go back to this. I already know this. This is not your. Yeah. You've already laid this out. I've already picked up those breadcrumbs in terms of that she's thinking like she's thinking of taking care of him. She you could tell yeah. that immediately. Like. An hour or so into the movie, you're everyone is thinking to themselves, just take care of your grandson. Like clearly yeah. that's what's gonna happen. And we already know that. And yeah. So I think that there's a lot of stuff that's just thrown at the wall here. And we're meant to figure that out and we're meant to just kind of piece it together. But unfortunately, there's so many threads to piece together that it's really confusing as to what we're supposed to think about this film. Like, right. Um, like, let me, let me ask you this. I know you'd like to ask me the question, but yeah. let me hey, ask you no, this. I like it. If you can separate just Amy Adams performance as Beverly and Glenn Close's performance as May Mock, if you can separate the characters and they're just their performance, not everything around them, are they stronger? Do they, do they, do they speak to you a little bit more? Just their performances, not, in relation to anything within the movie that's messing it up for them. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because part of the main story of this movie, at least conversationally outside, is, God, this movie is a mess. But let's start talking about Glenn Close and Amy Adams' Oscar chances. So, like, it immediately flips the script uh, and moves right past all the the nonsense that this movie is. And so you have to... I've been trying... Uh, in the multiple views that I've seen to kind of separate. And there, like I said, there are scenes where I think, especially close, is really working hard and is really, you know, showing the best chops that she has in a while that I've seen. Uh, actually, uh, in prep for this movie, I rewatch like a lot of, you know, older Glenn Close movies, you know, watching Fatal Attraction, some of these other things to get us. Sure, you were watching Fatal Attraction because you were doing research. Yeah, you know. Yeah, all right. It it wasn't one o'clock on Cinemax. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, I I, I did. I kind of wanted to get a sense because Glenn Close is one of those actresses, I think, based on my age that I, I definitely missed, like, the early golden era. I mean, I, I caught a lot of it in retrospect, especially like the natural I've seen a million times and, and fatal attraction, of course I've seen and things like that. But like 
you know, things like the big chill that mean a lot more to people than someone of my age or, you know, the world according to Garp. I think her first three movies were all Oscar nominated, you know, yeah. so it, it, and that's an incredible feat. And I think that's why people want to start this conversation every time Glenn Close has a drama out now where it's like, oh, is this where we give her the one that she's owed? Um, you know, because there's. I, this would be, I believe, her eighth nomination if she gets nominated. And, you know, she got nominated for The Wife, a movie that I don't know anyone who's seen it, uh, <laughs> unless you're an Oscar pundit. And even then it was hard to find. So, like, that's a weird thing. But, like, I'm just really, I'm really sick of, you know, just people just going, Oh well, we need to. We need a movie that's good enough to give this to her. So let's start talking about it as soon as there's even something remotely here. But I feel well, like I I'm getting that's, that's this movie. That's yeah, for both of them, that's this movie is clearly an Oscar film. Yeah, and it's, it's Oscar bait for sure. Yeah, there's sure. so many. No, no, of those no, oh, no. I got yeah. you. That's what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I I would argue this that the best person in this movie is Haley Bennett, who plays the sister. I love her. She's great. Okay, calm down. But <laughs> no, I'm just saying she's a great actress. Well, the thing is that, and she's a Netflix All Star now. By the way, she's got okay. uh, now three, three in the last year. year this and is a half. an unintended. This is an unintended <laughs> Netflix film, though, right? This was not meant to come no, this, out on this, Netflix. No, was, this, oh, was it always? No, yeah, this was not okay, an, right. an acquisition or anything. This was okay, right. Netflix okay. all the way. Yeah, I just think that she, her character, has more to. I find it. I find. I find it much more appealing when an actor has to like hide all the emotions and, and kind of you, you can't doesn't want to, isn't so explosive. Isn't so just everywhere outward. And like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she's holding in. I thought to, and plus to be fair, she has a lot of scenes where she can do that. Right. See, Amy, Beverly, Amy Adams and Beverly's character is so melodramatic, not to any of her own fault. It's just no, the way she's written. Yeah. And it's, and you know when she's in the middle of the street screaming and 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 because she's cut her wrist, which I, I assume we didn't see the scene where that happened, and nope. she's like ah, 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 and like she's and you're just kind of like oh, all right, you know. It, but that and again, that's not any fault to Amy Adams. It's just the way Beverly's written and the yeah. way that Maymaw's written. I think that the appearance of Glenn Close kind of works in her. It doesn't work in her favor in terms of just just kind of her like the whole the, like the whole terminator speech that like that speech you're talking about within the car it's dumb is, is a great speech the terminator speech is not good no i it's, i think it, it only gets any kind of play because it was in the trailer and it like because honestly on its face is like like we said that neutral figure like that yeah. no it's either one or that like be good or be bad tell us some kind of morality tale neutral yeah. it's like yeah just get get along with your life and if anything um, <laughs> Haley Bennett, the the sister here, is kind of the neutral ter Terminator. She's the person who just kind of picks up the pieces for everybody and moves, you know, the the, the ball down the road. Like, I mean, it's just uh, she's the rock in this scenario. She's the anchor of this family that goes completely unnoticed. Right. So yeah, I, I yeah, I like even I'm trying to think. And Amy so, Adams, to your point, by the way, is closer to kind of like. A, just a watered down version of the fighter like where she's like way better in that but she does mostly screaming in that movie <laughs> like so <laughs> so this version is just kind of like the drug and, and like heightened version of that but also not as good because the dialogue is rough at times <laughs> yeah like the the other thing just speaking of just stuff like kind of laying out there and then you don't ever go back to it like in the opening 
when he gets into the fight, when the kid gets into the fight and he has that, my parent, my mother, or my father, or my family, or my folk, yeah. or whatever, they always say like, you don't pick a fight, but if you do, if you do people fight, you defend yourself or whatever. Yeah, you end it. Yeah. Right. But like that never comes up ever nope. again. Nope. And it's, <laughs> I don't like the whole thing with the cracked turtle shell. And I was like, okay, what does this mean? Is this kid going to huck it? Is, is this symbolic of something? And, and it's like, no, you know what it's symbolic of is when they cut to the credits <laughs> and they show the picture of the older version of the, of the real man. And he's holding a turtle. I'm yep. like, oh, the turtle from the beginning of the movie that has nothing to do with the movie. Yep. I don't. Again, there's just stuff that lays out there. And, and I don't know. What am I supposed to do? It's like everyone keeps handing me all this stuff in my hand. And I'm going, what am I supposed to do with this now? Like, where right. I just drop it. You know, it's like stuff like that. I don't. A lot of stuff that I just. It's good. It's a good idea. But if you don't have a payoff, it just lays there. Yeah. I always wonder this and and I don't know what your feelings are on it. I always feel weird when the movie is produced and based on something written by the character that it's about. It's always like, so you're just making a movie about yourself. It's kind of like it, like they had that. I, I think Chappelle show even made fun of it with Antoine Fisher. Because it was like <laughs> Antoine Fisher like produced the movie Antoine Fisher, and like it's like who do we get to play with me? I don't know. I always thought I looked exactly like Denzel Washington. Gets Denzel Washington, <laughs> like all these things where you just kind of get to hand pick your life. It yeah. seems kind of like a fun thing to do, but it also seems like you know if somebody wanted to take a different slant with your story, well then you're alive and right over the shoulder. It, it kind of yeah. seems like something to where. Just make make this all about me, please, because that's uh, it's my story. Just remember that. Uh, that's like, yeah, that's like the Gotti movie that they did with Travolta that was produced by or, or it was it was heavily like that. Gotti's son and his wife, his wife or his son was definitely involved in terms of the production. Yeah. So you're like, you're, you got to really just appease that as well. You can't really get yeah. too into it more. Yeah, no, I hear you. And and we all know how that movie came out. Yikes! <laughs> oh my god! I, I I watched it. Of course you did. <laughs> I'm sure you watched uh, what was it? Capone, too. Uh, uh, the Tom Hardy version too. I I, I did. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> you do no. it to yourself, man. We're in the information age where you can hear. Oof. And this is the thing that I'm very scared of. I feel like you and I are doing a very good job here. We're laying out all the things that people would want to hear or need to know or want to know uh, or talk about after they've watched this film. My fear is that if, especially if you know nobody gets nominated from this outside of this, this easily seems like a movie that they purposely put out on a Tuesday before Thanksgiving because they were like, we have a whole December full of amazing movies. And guess what? All the other big streamers now do too. I mean, Soul's coming out, Wonder Woman's coming out, and then obviously any kind of Oscar films that are going to be out on other streaming services, whether it's in December or now January, uh, like a One Night Miami for Amazon, for instance. I mean, you you're literally going to get forgotten. And I think Netflix kind of had that notion with this. We're like, we'll put this out because we want to, we'll push like a Glenn Close performance or something, just trying to hope for something out of it. But I think once they got a sense of what this movie was and where, where it's going to stack up compared to what they're going to do next month with, you know, Mank and Ma Rainey and The Prom and Midnight Sky, you know, George Clooney's film. Uh, you got so many things. And then Pieces of a Woman they acquired, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's way too much for them 
on their slate that I think this one is just it got buried and I think it got buried for good reason. Yeah, we're not saying anything that nobody else probably already figured out, um, you know, and I, I'm not really I never like when reviews come out and they're just like the worst movie of the year. It's like, calm down. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah, listen, it's not. This isn't I'm cats, not saying, all right. <laughs> uh, it's not. Listen, there's definitely got some problems and it's definitely it's problematic, but there are decent things in this movie. Just we talked about the performance of uh, Haley Bennett, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Like, like that's like you, you that performance is not in the worst movie of the year. You can't, I'm sorry, but there's, there's decent things in this movie that you can't just blanket say like, toss it out. We're done. I, I hate that. I, yeah. I hate that because it's, that's unfair. These people took, it took well, how many, how many months to put this together? So the, it, listen, it's, it just wasn't, it just didn't work. It just was a mess and that's all. And that happens, you know? So that's all. And I think there are some people out there who I've seen, you know, like this film in some regards, some critics I've seen online. And I think what they will say is what I would say is the most effective, like, and I'm curious to know what you think is maybe the most effective thing in here. Cause I will say, um, I was in a terrible headspace the first time I watched this movie. So I did cry at one point, but I think that was more about me than the movie. But, uh, I think, uh, there are a lot of things, like I said, that resonate with people between the uh, domestic abuse and and the history of abuse in families. I think that's the best stuff when you can kind of see like, uh, and not to borrow a phrase from a different movie or whatever, but a history of violence. Uh, you kind of get to Great see, movie. yeah, oh, awesome movie. <laughs> um, I'd rather be watching that movie. Uh, but you know, you basically get to see this pattern of behavior that you know gets passed down and then ends up you know, in the hands of drugs at the end of it too, where you really have to, you know, you know, pivot and try to save somebody in this scenario, obviously being JD Vance in this scenario. But, you know, I think a lot of that can work at times. And like I said, there are very, you know, poignant scenes, you know, the, again, the trailer scene with, um, Amy Adams and Glenn Close, you know, basically where it's like, who's going to step up you, that whole like kind of in your face moment. Those are two very good actresses putting on a show uh, that, you know, is worth watching. But I think it's just way too few and far between. I'm interested because we kept talking about um, like Oscar bait and this trying to be an Oscar movie. Um, two things. One, after I got done watching the movie, I was I texting with a friend of mine who's an Oscar pundit, and I was like, "Yeah, like it, this movie after it ended, the first viewing that I had, it felt like this would have been a Best Picture nominee in like the late '80s, early '90s. Like it had that like, you know, I don't know, trying to be not because this movie's not folksy." in spots but it kind of is where it kind of reminded me of like it it would be in that fried green tomato uh steel magnolias category but like it's like obviously got a little bit more to it you know in terms of like those movies are better the first two that i said but like just you know (laughs) just the drama the heightened drama and and these type of performances like i i was like this feels very old like even though it's a brand new movie it somehow feels old or at its worst i feel like there's like the scene where uh amy adams is trying to get clean urine to pass a drug test that felt very after school special there are scenes where i just was like this is you've fallen apart now like the (laughs) the wheels are coming off so uh, i don't know like but I don't know if you feel that way at all. Like, did this feel like kind of like a, like a, just a throwback straight mid-level drama that just doesn't fit 
now, especially because it didn't feel authentic at all. Like, and especially if it took away all the stuff that maybe made it resonate with people more to make the memoir a bestseller. I, I don't know. I, I feel like we're in the 21st century now that like Oscar bait plays just feel so phony sometimes. And I feel like, you know, now we, we love authentic people. Like we try to be, you know, so in the now seeing what people are like, you know, seeing our true selves, quote unquote, like on social media that like these movies shouldn't work, but, and this one clearly didn't, but like, there are still like they think that this is what the academy wants. Uh it could I can definitely I can definitely feel that like that's why it was put in this time. Like that's you know that's put in November. Yeah. But I think it goes back to what I said earlier was that you've seen this story already before. You this is this is a story that you have seen done done better, yeah. done well. You've seen the uh new drug addiction, you've seen, you know, a, kid going home, having to go back home and face off his demons. And you've seen that in comedies. You've seen that in dramas. You've seen that in tons of movies. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not breaking any ground and, and you can have the argument that, you know, every story has already been told, which is true here. You know, it's, it, this has been told before you just, you have to be able to do it in a way where it's not that it's unique and new, but that the audience, even though they know they're watching something that they have seen before, that they are they are dialed in and they are they have bought in because you have done your job telling the story the, the right way and and being compelling enough and i think that 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 this is where the movie falls for well falls short on that because just the way it's put together it's very confusing and it's very the storytelling is very all over the place um I, i'm assuming with the intent of of being you know of by, see memoirs and biopics they're tough yeah. It's tough to do character pieces. It's tough because you're not following a traditional plot structure. You know, it's not a plot driven film. It's all about characters. So you, they're very tough to put on screen to begin with. Uh, so, but I thought Ron Howard, yeah. somebody who's done like a beautiful mind or something that, you know, that I enjoyed, you know, would still have the chops to maybe try to pull this off, but it's just a too many minds, characters. To, Cinderella yeah. man. Yeah, no, yeah. like a beautiful mind is focused on one guy. Cinderella right. man is one guy like this. There's no one person in this movie because we we've already had the discussion about there's like, you could, you could make a case for all three of the women in the family uh, being more important than, than JD Vance's character. Absolutely. So right there. And, and, and I think that's almost like within the writing and almost in the storytelling, they knew that. And they were, they were trying to give them as much screen time as possible because they needed to show each of their plights. And it's, it's, it, it had a, had another effect. It had a different effect in terms of our viewing of the movie. Right. And it didn't, it didn't resonate with us because it just made us, it confused us. Yeah. And you know, we can take it if we took them on separate, you had separate, three separate cuts that focused on each character. Yeah. Like I almost feel that that's stronger. I almost feel like this would be a better, series like this would be a better i thought that too yeah because you're because you can then take your time and not try to squeeze all this stuff within two hours you can actually just take your time with all the characters yeah and and give all the actors and actresses their just desserts in terms of what they're going to do so uh, i think it's just it's it's tough to do it's really tough to put a memoir on screen half the time so all right mike bottom line for the people there are only three kinds of reviews out there (laughs) 
good reviews, bad reviews, and neutral reviews. Which one are you giving this? Uh, I don't like to give bad reviews. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I I think that this movie can speak to people in terms of battling people who battle drug addiction, people who battle, you know, growing up poor. Like uh, the other thing I wanted to say was that they talk about Appalachia a lot, but they're in Ohio. And yeah, you well, get one get, sense of it for 10 I get, minutes. You grew, in the you grew up in Kentucky. Yeah. I get that that's where you're from, but that's not where you were raised. You no. were raised in Ohio. So regardless of that, but you were raised, you were poor. You were, you were, you know, she's on meals on wheels, uh, in that that's which I thought that scene was good too with, yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, Glenn Close and uh, Mamo, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that people that can relate to that, to those hardships, I think they can find some kind of comfort in this movie in, in terms of just, but that's coming from them in terms of just somebody co- popping in the movie and watching it. I think it's very difficult to, to grasp onto the story and, and, and to not be, you, you wander, you start, your mind starts wandering and you start getting a little bored and you're like, you start checking your watch. Yeah. So if you're a fan of Amy Adams, you're a fan of the actors and actresses, I, I would say watch it. But uh, you know, if you miss it, I, I, that's okay too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree, and I hope enough people watch it that they uh, listen to our stellar review because you did a great job. I appreciate you coming on and helping me out with this. Um, tell the people, I know we are uh, we are family members now of our own. Uh, <laughs> the Forgotten Entertainment family is alive and well and kicking and adding things all the time. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I know you got two podcasts of your own on Project Score, so... <laughs> what do you got, Mike? Uh, yeah, so the two podcasts that I do, the one that I've been doing now since uh, May of 2019 is Forgotten Cinema. I do that with my buddy, Mike uh, Mike Butler. We talk about movies that were maybe forgotten by audiences and they came out. You know, Everyone talked about them when they first came out, but then 15, 20 years later, you're like, oh, remember that movie? <laughs> Excuse me, remember that movie? So, you know, we do movies like I think this week coming up, we're doing Oliver and Company. Uh, yep. we've done, we, we actually did What About Bob? So, you know, we, we, we do movies that, you know, we just to kind of go back and sometimes we don't like them. Sometimes, you know, we don't, we, you know, we have different reactions to them than we did when we grew up. A lot of times I'll always love breaking Mike's uh, childhood uh, dreams and hopes when he <laughs> loves a movie and I tell him it's not that good. Right. But so that's forgotten cinema. And then I have another podcast called yet another MCU podcast. And that's with Pat Whalen, also a part of the forgotten entertainment family. And that's uh, basically Marvel movies. We've take one movie every episode and we, our big thing is that we talk about the difference between the movie and the comics. Pat's a big time comic guy. I am not. So I am just basically peppering Pat with questions, wondering why certain things are the way they are to, you know, to hilarious effects, I, I believe. So, um, so that's yet another MCU podcast. That's, uh, that's at everywhere. You can find that anywhere you, you take podcasts in sort of Spotify, Apple and forgotten cinema. Um, that's, that's about it right now. I mean, I do a lot of writing, but you don't want to hear about that. That's all boring. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything in the works? I know obviously you, you're, you know, your Adam Parker series of books are out and you know, you're always writing either shorts or sc- short screenplays or longer things. Always got something in the pipeline. Yeah, I just finished uh, the I finished the anthology book that took place in the one town called Welcome to Brookville, and that was four separate shorts where uh, they've got the Brookville's a town that I introduced in the second Adam Parker book where like a lot of strange things happen. So uh, I have four stories where weird things happen in this town. Um, they're all connected. They're all at different time periods. Uh, so I did that, and then I started to I had written a short called Katie Kennedy, which was about this was a short script, which was about a. Uh, a, a woman in the 80s who uh, gets superpowers mm-hmm. and it's, it's it deals a lot with um you know uh, 
her battling against men, men being misogynistic as they like to do, uh, as you know, Andrew in the eighties and, and today. And yes. so, you know, so I'm stretching that out into a feature. So I've been kind of writing that and just kind of working with that. And that's something I also go to Pat too, because it'll be, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff I take for comics and I'm like, sure. Pat, is this, does this happen? And he's like, Oh, you want to do this and this, 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 I'm like, all right, all right calm down. I got to write that down. So that's what I'm working on now, but you know, you know, it's, it's still in the beginning stages of that. So yeah, good luck. Because I mean, in the '80s, everyone was a superhero. It was called cocaine, Mike. I don't know oh, if you were familiar. It's a uh, wonderful drug. Yeah, shout out. I was. Uh, shout I out was to ten. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of that, do you see that they're bringing Old Timers Day back for the Mets? Yeah, of course they are, because they want to kill them all off. Apparently, with COVID, you son of That's a bitch. Fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> or maybe you know these empty stadiums are the only places to feel safe. If you're an old timer, so that would be good. Uh, you know, they're out. They're outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're outside. They're amongst cardboard cutouts. You know, of the only happy Mets fans I've ever seen <laughs> to, have them, to have them not leave by the seventh inning. You know, it's all uh, very good. You know, everybody eight, is happy. Those cardboards were like eighty bucks, right? I don't know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I right. know. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Mike. Uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, enough people watch this over uh, the Thanksgiving holiday to to have us, uh, you know, rip it to shreds right for them. So oh, that would be good. No, no. <laughs> I thought Anytime. we were actually way kinder than most people. No movies as bad as everyone says, and no movies as great as everyone said. There's always things you can pick out of there. So, no, absolutely. Always a neutral tomb raider. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>